brothers and sisters, uh, good morning once again. Uh, we are uh, in the middle of a series looking at the, some of the values in our church, uh, and this week we're looking at faithful Bible teaching. Uh, so it's a topical series. Uh, we'll be moving around a little bit, uh, but uh, we'll spend most of our time in 2 Timothy. So I can ask you if you open our epistle reading, uh, 2 Timothy uh, chapter uh, 3 uh, from, uh, uh, from verse 14 onwards. Uh, let me lead us in prayer uh, as we begin. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you speak to us uh, by your Spirit through your Word, and we pray that you help us as we look at your Word together now. And we ask that you be working uh, in our hearts and lives, uh, pointing us to Jesus and helping us to love him and obey him. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Two weeks ago, we looked at the centrality of the Gospel. Uh, we saw the word Gospel means good news, and the good news is all about Jesus. Jesus is Lord. He is God's promised king. And this Jesus, who is called the Christ, God's king, died for our sins in our place, taking our guilt and our punishment for us so that God can forgive us without saying that the wrong things we have done is okay. And then he rose again, according to the scriptures, showing that he really is the one whom God promised would bear our sins and then rule as king forever. And if Jesus is the risen Lord, if he is the king, then the implication is we must turn from living for ourselves and submit to him. If he died for our sins in our place, then we must rely on his sacrifice for our salvation. And so the proper response to the gospel is repentance and faith. There are many things that commend the gospel to us, but in the end, it is the Holy Spirit who enables us to truly believe. And so God's Spirit is the one who changes our hearts, enabling us to have Jesus as our Lord. Now, if Jesus is our risen Lord, then he is the one who is to rule our lives. He is the one who tells us how to think about everything, uh, including the scriptures. Even the scriptures that pointed us to him in the first place. And the Lord Jesus teaches us that the scriptures are the word of God. He said he came to fulfill the Old Testament. In fact, he taught that his death and, and resurrection were prophesied in the scriptures. He quotes Genesis chapter 2 verse 24 as the words of the creator. He quotes Exodus 3.6 with the words, Have you not read what God said to you? He quotes Psalm 110 verse 1 as David speaking by the Spirit. He regards the fifth commandment as well as, as the command of God as well as what Moses said. He rebuked those who did not know the Scriptures and he called the Scriptures the Word of God and taught that they could not be broken. And he trained his apostles, his authorized representatives, to think about the Scriptures that way as well. So Peter would later write that no prophecy was ever produced by the will of men, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And not only did Jesus believe the Old Testament, he also anticipated the New. For he promised the same Spirit who would lead the apostles into all the truth and bring to remembrance the things that he had taught them and reveal more things as well. We believe that the Bible is the Word of God because Jesus is risen from the dead, he is Lord, and he says so. The implications of this are expounded in our epistle reading today. The Apostle Paul is writing there to his protege, Timothy. Uh, he is writing at the end of his life, and he encourages Timothy, in verse 14, to continue in what he has heard and become convinced of. He reminds him in verse 15 how from childhood he's been acquainted with the sacred writings. Uh, we know from elsewhere that this was because of his mother and his grandmother. And on this particular day, 
those of us who have been exposed to the scriptures from our mothers or mother figures are particularly grateful to God for them and their ministry. Uh, Timothy was acquainted from childhood with the sacred writings, it says, which are able to make him wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, the Old Testament speaks about Jesus and salvation through faith in him. And then he says in verse 16 that all scripture, whether it's Old or New Testament, everything in the category of scripture is breathed out by God. Uh, your breath contains your word. Uh, the fact that the scriptures God breathed means that they're the very words of God. Right? Now Paul's not saying anything new here. He's just echoing what Jesus said. The Bible is the word of God. It is God breathed. The Bible doesn't just contain the word of God as if it's a message in the Bible mixed in with a whole lot of other stuff. The Bible doesn't just become the word of God when the Spirit works it into my heart. No, no, no. The Bible is the word of God, whether I believe it or not. This doesn't mean that God dictated and people just wrote down what he dictated. Right? Uh, the Bible has historical records. It has psalms which have started off as prayers or songs. It has letters to different churches to solve problems. It has eyewitness accounts of various events. It has researched and carefully compiled books. Even this letter is obviously a letter from Paul to Timothy, not a dictation. So Bible has many human authors. And we see their personalities, we see their situations, their ways of writing reflected in it. Uh, and so it's not just dictation because, you see, God is, God is bigger than that, right? He's bigger. He's sovereign over all things. He has planned all those things. So even those personalities, the situations, the sources, the authors, actually it's all worked out by him so that in the end, what he's written is exactly what he wants to be written. He is, after all, God. And so Scripture has multiple human authors but one divine author, the Holy Spirit. Just like Jesus is both human and divine, the Bible is not only the words of men, but the word of God. Now, if the Bible is indeed the word of God, then how we treat God's word is a reflection of how we treat him. If you speak to me and I ignore your words, I'm actually ignoring you. If I disobey your word, I'm disobeying you. If I twist your words to make them mean something I, I didn't mean, you didn't mean, well, I'm being disrespectful to you. If I say your words are wrong, I'm saying that I know better than you. How we treat God's word is how we treat him. And so when we come to the Bible, we must come with humility. We must be people who don't set ourselves up to judge God's word or even presume to disagree with it. We must, we must tremble before it as we tremble before him. We must work hard to read it properly in context because we don't want to misunderstand him. We must use our brains when we come to it because we have to love him with all our minds. We must keep it up here on top, not underneath us. We sit under its authority. We don't take authority over it. We are judged by it. It is not judged by us because God is our judge. We are not his. Jesus is our king. He is our Lord. He rules over us by his word. And if he is the number one in our lives, his word must be the number one authority. Above reason, experience, tradition, everything. Scripture is God-breathed. The Bible is the word of God. Now we saw just now that the Bible shows us the way of salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. But it doesn't just do that. The Bible also tells us whatever we need to know to live a godly life. Look at verse 16 again. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching. Right? Tells us who God is, who we are, what life is about, how to relate to God, all kinds of things it teaches us. 
for reproof, that is, he tells us off when we're doing something wrong or teaching something wrong, for correction, sets us back on the right path, both in terms of doctrine and conduct, and for training in righteousness, that it instructs us, it molds us, it, like, like children are brought up by their parents to live in a certain way, the Bible brings us up to live a righteous and godly life. And all this is, verse 17, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Every good work. Right? The Bible tells us all we need to know to live a life that is pleasing to God. Right? It doesn't mean that God can't speak outside the scriptures or God can do anything he likes. But it does mean that the normal way he does it is through the scriptures and that we don't need to look for anything else. The Bible is sufficient for us to be equipped for every good work. We don't need extra revelations or new prophets to tell us what God wants, like in, in some other religions. If you want to be equipped for the good works that God is for you, read your Bible. Right? The Bible is sufficient. Now that is terribly liberating because we don't have to wonder what God wants us to do. You don't have to go from conference to conference, speaker to speaker, trying to find what is God's word so, for me so that I can get on with living my life by it. No, 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 it's actually all here. What we need to live a godly life, God has given to us. What we need to know to be saved, what we need to know to live a life that pleases him. Now, if the Bible is God's word by which he rules his people, if it is sufficient for salvation and godly living, then the faithful proclamation of the Bible's message should be at the heart of faithful gospel ministry. And that's exactly what Paul tells Timothy in his final message to him. He continues in verse 1 of chapter 4, I charge you in the presence of God and in Christ Jesus, who is going to judge the living and the dead, by his, and by his appearing in his kingdom. Right? He gives it the, the strongest possible charge to Timothy. This is what you're meant to do. What does he say? Preach the word. Right? Preach the word. Be urgent, let us be ready to go, in season and out of season. When it's convenient, when it's not convenient, good times, bad times, when people are hungry for the word, when people are indifferent to it, when you're free or in persecution, come down, you preach the word. And through the word of God, he says, reprove, right, show people their guilt, rebuke, warn those who are guilty, exhort them to repent, and remember to do it with complete patience, because it actually takes time to see the results in people's lives. Just press on with that teaching of the Word of God as the Word does its work. For there will be a time, verse 3, when people will not endure sound teaching. Or another way of translating it is to say, the time will come where healthy teaching will not be accepted as valid. Uh, actually, in many churches today, uh, in the West especially, if Jesus or the Apostle Paul came in saying what they, did about, what they do about Scripture, they would be rejected as dangerous fundamentalists or dismissed as nuts. Uh, the gospel message about Jesus is seen by them as, as narrow and bigoted. He's not the only way, just a good way for Christians. His death on the cross is just an example of being loving. It doesn't actually help us get right with God. His resurrection is not something that actually happened. He didn't really come out of the grave. He just happened in the hearts of the disciples. And Jesus is not going to come back again. There's no judgment. There's no hell. There's no right. There's no wrong. If you say I'm wrong, you cause me pain. That's wrong, so you ought to be cancelled. Uh, and the Bible's teaching about sex and marriage is hopelessly outdated. Those who hold on to it are like Neanderthals in a postmodern world. I am thankful to God that our diocese and our province has been spared that kind of apostasy. But we cannot be complacent. The Bible warns us that the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths.
Even here in the Klang Valley, let me say, there are many preachers from different churches who might come and who might wave their Bible at us, say how important the Word of God is, and then go and preach something else. Right? Many of them have good intentions. They actually do believe the Bible. But somehow or other, that's not what they preach. Lah. Maybe they don't think it's sufficient. Maybe they don't realize that through the Scriptures, men and women are complete for every good work. Maybe they forgot Paul's instructions to preach the Word, and they fall in the trap of preaching what they think people want to hear. Add their own ideas to that of the Bible, just maybe quote some verses to back it up out of context. Friends, be careful when listening to such preachers, but in fact, be careful when listening to me. Right? Believe what I say only as far as I'm being faithful to the Word of God. If I'm preaching the Word of God, then take it. If I'm preaching my own ideas, your ideas are as good as mine. Always check what I say against the Bible. Is Andrew preaching the Word of God? Is he telling us what the Bible says? Or is he just telling us what we want to hear? As for you, Paul says to Timothy, verse 5, always be sober-minded, right? Don't just jump on the latest fads and bandwagons. Stay steady. Endure suffering. Right? Understand, sacrifices are necessary for the sake of the gospel. Do the work of an evangelist. That is, preach the evangel, the euangelion, the gospel, that Jesus is Lord, that he died for our sins, that he rose again from the dead as king of all. Call people to repentance and faith in Jesus, and so fulfill your ministry. Friends, as a church, we want the faithful proclamation of God's word to be at the heart of our ministry. As we meet together on Sundays, we hear the word of God read both from the Old Testament and the New Testament, just like the early church who read the Old Testament scriptures and the writings of the apostles. The public reading of scripture, both Old and New Testament, is something we should devote ourselves to. Never let that go. And we hear God's word not only read, but proclaimed in the sermon and then applied to us. We need to make sure our sermons are not just motivational speakers, uh, motivational speeches by the preacher, right? but declarations of God's word. And that's why our preachers normally try to expound a passage to show you where we get what we say from. Right? So your confidence is in the word of God, not in the preacher. And we normally do it by working through a book consecutively, week by week, taking the next passage, next passage, next passage each week. Right, so that we all learn together from the context, the preacher learns just as much, has to study that passage for the week and then work it out. Right? Uh, and and what hap what's happening is that the Bible is setting the agenda for what we're preaching about. Uh, it's a bit like in our Old Testament reading today, where God's people gathered together around his word, Ezra read the word of God to them, uh, and what happened? The leaders gave the sense, explained, so that people understood the meaning. Preachers, we can't just preach what we feel like preaching. And if we follow consecutively uh, preaching the way we do, we can't avoid preaching about the things we don't like as well. Right, we've got to preach whatever's there. Lah. And you can see whether we're doing it or not. Uh, that's called expository preaching. And we do that normally in St. Mary's because we want to take God's word with the utmost seriousness. But it's not just the Bible readings and the preaching. Our liturgy is full of scripture if you know how to look. Even our hymns are either based on scripture or take truths from the scripture uh, and put it into poetry. So that as we speak and as we sing, as we're speaking, we are, we are speaking the truths of the Bible to each other. And it's not just in Sunday services, in weddings, in funerals, wherever we can. We are ready to preach the word. And it's not just in our services. In our small groups, we want to be studying the Bible. And that's another opportunity for us to be teaching each other. Again, we're not meant to be just teaching our own ideas to each other. 
but actually helping each other understand and apply the Bible. That's why your small group leader might sometimes say to you, okay, yeah, don't just give your own idea, look at the text. What does the text say? Right? Or the small group leader might say, oh, now where did you get that from? And you've got to go and show where it came from in the passage. Right? Now, of course, different groups will do things differently. Right? Not everyone studies the same intellectual level. That's, of course, the case. Right? But one way or other, the Bible is at the heart of all our small groups. And we use the scriptures to encourage and build each other up. So whether it's in our growth groups, our women's Bible study groups, in Christianity Explored, in Just for Starters, in seminars, in the daily office, even in our one-to-one -one ministry, the Word of God is at the heart of what we do. But it's not just the proclamation and sharing of God's Word that's important. Uh, we need to reflect and read about God's Word for ourselves. Uh, Psalm 1 describes the blessed man and says that his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. And then it said he is like a tree planted by streams of water. Right? Now ultimately, of course, this blessed man is Jesus, but we have to be like him in this way. If we love God's word and meditate on it day and night, then we too will be spiritually nourished like a tree that draws upon the streams of water. And there are so many different ways if you can make the Bible part of our lives each day. Can I suggest why not you ask yourself each other after the service or maybe in your small groups during the week or whatever meetings you have, well, what different ways have you used in the past? What have you found helpful to get the Bible as part of your, part of your life each day? And if you're not in the habit of reading the Bible each day, well, why don't you, search, why don't you start? Maybe just start with one of the four Gospels. Uh, pray before you read. Ask God to speak to you. Read with reverence because it's God's Word. And pray when you've finished about one thing that you've read. Right? It doesn't have to be a long one. Start short. Uh, some people like to make notes. Uh, some people find that tiring. Some people like to write questions. They can ask their friends when they come to church. Uh, you don't have to. Up to you, lah, whatever you find helpful. But just start the habit of reading the Bible each day, praying back to God about what you've read. Now, we've seen how faithful uh, Bible teaching is at the heart of gospel ministry. Uh, we've seen how the Bible is sufficient in the sense it tells us what we need to know. So my final point might be a little bit surprising. Faithful Bible teaching is not sufficient. Faithful Bible teaching is not sufficient. What do we mean by that? Well, there's two reasons why it's not sufficient. First of all, the whole point of the Bible is not to be an end in itself. The point of the Bible is to point us to Jesus. Right? Remember our gospel reading today? Jesus is talking to the Jewish leaders, and he said this, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is they that bear witness about me, and yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Do you see that? Bible study is never an end in itself. Right? Those Jewish leaders were experts in Bible study. They knew their Old Testament back the front. But they read it in such a way that they never saw Jesus. The whole Old Testament is pointing to him. They never came to him. See, the Bible itself doesn't give anyone eternal life. The Bible points to Jesus so that we can come to him. We can come to him, and when we come to him, he gives us eternal life. The Bible is sufficient in the sense that he tells us all we need to know to really know Jesus and to really have faith in him but it doesn't give us salvation by itself. We are not saved by Bible knowledge. We are saved by faith in Jesus. And so faithful Bible teaching in the end must be gospel-centered. It must be Christ-centered. Whenever we read the Bible, whenever we teach the Bible, whenever we preach the Bible in the end, it should bring people to Jesus. And we need to keep coming to Jesus, to whom the whole Bible faithfully points 
to trust him, to love him, and obey him. Anything else is inadequate. The Bible is not an end in itself. It's a means to bring us to Jesus. Secondly, the Bible is not just to be studied, but to be obeyed. Last week we saw how we all need to keep on growing in Christ. And the Bible was part of that. The body grows together as we speak the truth in love, but truth is not just head knowledge. There's no spiritual merit in knowing lots of Bible trivia. God's word is meant to impact our hearts so that we love God and long to obey him. It's meant to impact our behavior so that love is expressed in thoughts and words and deeds. Jesus said that those who hear his words and do them is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. Those who hear his words and don't do them are like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand and won't survive the storm. Hearing the word, reading the word, even studying the word, not sufficient. The Bible is not just to be studied, but obeyed. So, Sisters and brothers, the Bible is the word of God, which points us to Jesus. So let us trust in Jesus and obey his word, that we might grow together to maturity in him. And let's make sure the faithful teaching of the Bible to that end continues to be at the heart of our ministry at St. Mary's. Let's pray. I'll lead us in praying the uh, Book of Common Prayer Collect for the second Sunday of Advent. Blessed Lord, who has caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant that we may in such wise hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of thy holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life which Thou hast given us in our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen.